if you spent your whole life questioning your sense of belonging and then you have like three or four people a day asking you like where do you belong the answer is we don't know either (laughs) or like you know I don't want to talk about it I just want to exist I just want to go about my day and like be normal when somebody's constantly being asked why they are the way they are why they exist why they're standing on this land it makes you feel like oh maybe should i should i be here like i thought that i was born here or i thought i'd been here for a long time i thought there were other people like me here Welcome back to another episode of Tumult. I'm so excited you're here with me and I'm so excited about today's episode, the way it came together and just this wonderful opportunity to talk to a curator with such an important and unique mission. And I am talking about a project that is located in Melbourne, Australia and curated by Sabina McKenna a wonderful, talented woman that I was lucky enough to talk to. She is going to tell us about her approach to making cultural identity and making the flawed perceptions and problematic approaches to asking a person about their cultural background and their heritage more accessible. Sabina and all the storytellers involved in the project put the question, where are you from, in the spotlight. And they have created a whole world of stories and resources around this question that all encompass cultural identity and how they experience this question and this sense of othering that that comes with that question. So Sabina is going to tell us about the experiences of navigating in a predominantly white landscape about art that is made for people of color and access by people of color and white people alike and what the effects of this approach are to top that off on monday the 29th of june where are you from is starting a exhibition a online exhibition on their instagram account that is called hair by where are you from exploring the experience of of textured curly or coily hair and we will be able to access all these stories through the instagram of where are you from underscore underscore so go follow them go follow this amazing page with beautiful photographs powerful and impactful stories and just an artwork of of so much depth and yeah now you're gonna get to know the curator of this project Sabina McKenna it was such a pleasure the project uh, Where Are You From which is about Australian cultural identities 
but not just Australian cultural identities because it's kind of a universal experience being asked that question. Uh, I'm also a writer and when I, I was, I'm not writing as much lately but that's how I started my creative career and I was covering mostly um, art, artists and um, you know various creatives, mostly people of colour living here and overseas. I also model part-time and support all of the creative stuff with uh, marketing and social media work as well. Um, and they're both kind of like in aligned fields as well. One's with a um, like a curly hair brand company. What my life looks like is organized chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I very much like um, juggle a lot of things, but I like it. I think it's in my nature to... Um, have a lot of things going at once and also like a balance between really creative stuff and um, you know lately the more kind of career sort of things where I can like have a bit more of a steady income and that kind of stuff but that's that's the boring stuff but I feel like every creative has like a balance between those two kinds of things but yeah I run the project all by myself and then with each with uh, with each exhibition I outsource um the people who collaborate with me so I will work with a new photographer and I work with a design studio called Play on Play who do all of the design with me so but most of the time it's just me <laughs> wow that's that's a lot of work to navigate right yeah <laughs> it's it's kind of like okay because it's not always the same level of work like when it when I'm having a show or when we're about to when we're in production or we're about to have an exhibition that's when the workload gets really cranked up but then in between mm -hmm. it's just you know responding to people running the social media so it's it's kind of at the stage that it's at now it's not too bad but um yeah as it grows it might be a matter of having other people involved but yeah it's kind of still my baby so I'm not sure if I'm ready for it <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine, but I'm so happy to see it growing. It's growing, and I don't know if it's still um, recent, but are you coming to Paris? Yes, so... Isn't that a thing? Yes, well, before COVID, it was a thing. We would have been in Paris right now. No. Yeah, it's postponed for now, but I really do okay. want to go to Paris. I was working with an amazing um, consultant over there, Muna, who runs Aya Consulting, and it's very aligned. Her like She works with creatives of colour all around the world, and we had plans to be in a big festival in Paris. Um, but, yeah, it's postponed for now, but I think there's a lot of alignment between here and Paris um, in terms of, like, the experience of identity and people of colour. So that'll definitely be something that we'll be doing down the track. But for now, we're, we're landed. Yeah. How did, where are you from, your project come to life? Like, what inspired you to do this project? Um, well, so growing up in Australia, um, I, it was always at the forefront of my experience that, uh, like, the way I looked was always questioned and, like, my identity as, like, someone mixed and... Um, you know, I look, I don't really look, um, one particular race and I definitely don't look white. And so a lot of people from a very young age would make comments to my mom, you know, my mom is white and blonde and they would, they would say things like, did you adopt her? Or it's so great that you're fostering children mm -hmm. and things like that. So I kind of had this sense of displacement from a really young age, from the get go. And, um, yeah, for most of my, like... 10 years it was about fitting in and adapting myself and you know accommodating 
you know, what I thought would be a more palatable person of colour, like, you know, making myself, um, you know, adapting myself to try and fit in and not really exploring, like, what it meant to be mixed race and, like, you know, um, that experience. So as I, but as I got older, um, I kind of started to move away from that because I, I was understanding a bit more from people around me. I had a few more friends of colour. Um, I'd spent some time living overseas where there were like different contexts and experiences of race. And so I was learning more about like, you know, my place here and other people like me. And I always had the idea to put that into a format where I could talk to other people of color and other mixed race people in particular to see if we had similarities that would, you know, give me a bit of more context. So one summer I had a couple of months off between uni and I decided to take on the idea. I'd always had the the like vision for like photos and words as the mediums and I approached my friend Jess who did the first series and um, we'd worked together before but not on like a collaborative level. She'd just like taken my photo a few times but she mm-hmm. is also mixed race and so I thought that it would um, might resonate with her. And so, yeah, we, we did it. And then it initially was just going to be a website, but then we got an exhibition space for it and it just became this huge thing. And um, it was meant to be a one-off and it was very much like a personal kind of exercise that I wanted to do to make myself like feel like I wasn't crazy by, you know, getting offended every time I got asked where I was from and to kind of understand the context and the connotations and see if other people felt the same way. But then um, after the exhibition, it was like the turnout was huge and also just the community and like the connectedness that was in the room and the performers and how everyone responded to that. It was just, it, it became a space that was like for other people as well as myself. So that's mm-hmm. why it became an ongoing thing. Yeah, and it's so overwhelming to see that basically 100% of the people you talk to so far, they have the, like a same or similar experience. It's not like they have the same stories, but the experience remains the same kind of with that question. Mm, absolutely. I was very much expecting it to be like, I was guessing that people would feel the same way, but there was also a lot of nuance in the stories. Like there were different feelings um, positive and negative about the encounter and like different experiences as well depending on who was telling the story there was quite a range but you're mm-hmm. right like it all it all just came back to that that sense of like you know displacement and like also the way that the question is often like it's imposing it's like it people press you and it's very much um it's not like an exchange it's like something that people take from you in a way like yeah 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 that's the impression I got too maybe you can define or tell me what you think do you think that the community like this project is more for the community or it's a way to educate also potential question askers to not do that yeah is it is it both or or what is your focus I think it's both I think definitely um the the reason I do the project is for people like me like you know black and people of color to have a space to um to go to to have some art that speaks to their experience um for sure but it's also in a in that format for a reason as well like it's very 
it's a beautiful project. It's very engaging. Um, you know, we have big exhibitions that people want to be a part of. And so I think it makes that conversation more accessible to people who, who need to be educated or who might want to be educated. And maybe they've been called out for, you know, saying, for asking people that question or something. But I think it makes it a very, like, there's no, there's nothing confronting about it. Like, it's a very mm-hmm. private medium as well when you're standing in front of the photos and you're reading the story. Like, it's just you and the story, even though there's heaps of people in the room. It gives you space to learn. I think it's really important for work that's made for and by people of colour to be accessed by people who aren't of colour as well because that's, you know, our stories yeah. are being put out there for a really important reason and that's how we learn from each other. Yeah, and that's so so beautiful. And I've noticed that, um, I don't know if you saw... A change in that lately but what I've been hearing a lot of BPOC people they are like white people turn to them at the moment to educate them in a way do you have any experiences with that and if so how do you deal with that and how do you perceive that because the way you your project is set up is more like a space for everybody but if someone particularly tries to seek information about your you know yeah what what your purpose is and whatever it might be different mm-hmm. yeah so I mean the last month has been so interesting um in terms of that because it's great that this has become something that's on everyone's agenda and everyone wants to participate and it that's really important and it's like a really pivotal moment for us all to be able to like engage in this global conversation that usually is mostly had among people of color only black and people Mm -hmm. of color only but there's also a problem with people now turning to people of color (laughs) and asking them to give them their experience and to teach them how to be allies and like it's kind of like asking for their labor when they've probably been trying to tell you that for their whole life (laughs) and yes (laughs) it's a weird thing where you kind of have to be like yeah this is great but have that conversation you know use the resources that are out there like this project like all the stuff that's on the internet there's so much out there that people need to think a little bit ahead of themselves and take initiative rather than turning to people of color because obviously I have a project that's about identity and race and so people are going to want to speak to me because I put that out there and I'm happy to do that but the the feedback from the community definitely has been that like it's like we're tired because everyone's Mm -hmm. all of a sudden been like oh my god racism exists crazy okay I know this one person of color I'm going to call them right now and tell them that I'm listening and that I'm going to do everything I can I just need them to help me you know there's a little bit of um an oversight happening there where I guarantee that one person of color friend has probably told you that racism's a thing <laughs> before, but like yeah. you haven't cared until now. So I think yes, the project is there for everyone to to access for sure, but I think it should be used in that way. I think it shouldn't be about um, yeah, like just like signaling to people of color that like now you're listening, and it's it's about doing that work and doing it for yourself, and also reaching out to other people in your life who are who are like you to share what you find when you do learn um yeah because it can be they can be it can be hard for people of color to to um do that work especially um news about race and even though obviously america and australia have different kind of histories when it comes to race and identity both equally as bad 
both equally as still like still happening but it's also really traumatic for people of color to see horrible news like that and for all of this to be going on so it's yeah it's like layers of stuff that happened over the past few weeks there's been a lot of discussion about that so yeah that was a bit of a tangent sorry (laughs) no 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 this is so so valuable because i that's what i feel like it's like it's it is directed to white people and they're trying to redirect it back to the black community or people of color community the question where are you from seems so innocuous but really it is not and what do you think what is the consequence and the effect of that question on the person that is being asked yeah i think well it just gives you when somebody's constantly being asked why they are the way they are why they exist why they're standing on this land it makes you feel like oh maybe should i should i be here like i thought that i was born here or i thought i'd been here for a long time i thought there were other people like me here but obviously it's weird that i'm here like why why am i constantly being asked this question so i think Mm -hmm. it's it like definitely for the person being asked it like makes you confused because especially being mixed race i think um you don't really fit into either side of your heritage perfectly in like in speaking for myself i mean there's so many variations of um being mixed race and different experiences so i can't speak for everybody but personally my dad's nigerian and uh, my mum's white australian with like irish heritage and i've never really like identified as black like i'm light-skinned you know i'm a person of color sure but i was raised in australia um you know in bayside st kilda like it's a very australian or very white so to speak upbringing that i that i experienced and then so Mm -hmm. Later in life, obviously, my sense of identity as a person of color developed, and I absolutely identify with that now, even more so than my, so to speak, white identity. But I don't really fit in to either sides of those things. Like growing up, I didn't really resonate with my mum's family because they were mostly white, and they also didn't really welcome and, emb- and embrace me as I probably like would have hoped to be. And then. Um, you know, I wasn't very close with my dad, but his family live in Nigeria. And like, there's just this weird thing that you don't really know who your people are. And, um, obviously the answer is your people are other, other mixed race people. If you're mixed race, I guess. But I think that, that when you ask, when you ask someone that question, you're perpetuating this otherness and you're also putting them in a situation where they could be triggered by that. Like if you spent your whole life, questioning your sense of belonging and then you have like three or four people a day asking you like where do you belong the answer is we don't know either (laughs) or like you know i don't want to talk about it i just want to exist i just want to go about my day and like be normal so i think that that's where there's a lot of weight to that question that people don't really understand and also i think Mm. being white like people don't understand people don't experience race they're not racialized when you're not racialized when you're white like you're just not you don't have you're the normal that everyone else is mm-hmm. this and then white people yeah. are the norm so that concept is very foreign to a lot of people and i understand why it comes across or it seems to them as like a harmless inquiry like oh you don't really look normal you know brackets you don't look white And so I'm curious about where, like, what your story is or, you know, where you've come from. But, yeah, it's just, I think it's about, like, 
yeah, like the the detachment from being racialized and therefore not understanding why they're asking that question. Because, you know, most of the time they're asking someone who's brown or they're singling someone out who doesn't look Caucasian, white Australian. You know, that's a problem in itself. But because they're not aware of it, that's where it, the, the, the lines don't cross there. But, yeah. Yeah. And also some of the storytellers said they're basically whatever answer you give they're never happy with it because what they're really asking is not like where are you from but why are you different yes yeah mm-hmm. and a lot of people also talk about how um they as they get stronger in saying oh you know i'm from here or like i'm from you know paran <laughs> to kind of throw people off and give them you know without saying it, give them the opportunity to back down from that situation and saying like, I don't want to talk to you about that. It's really personal. I'll, I'll tell you if I want to tell you where I'm from. But even then, most of the time, it, yeah, you're pressed because it's like, yeah, I feel like there's some sort of sense of entitlement that people have to, to you when you're, they expect that from you. They expect you to respond to them because they're asking you because You know, like there's another kind of power play happening there. Like you must answer me because I'm asking you this question. I want to know. It's like a weird. Yeah. 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 And there's like no, there's like no option, right? No. It's like a sense of authority that they have over you. And you're like, okay, but we don't know each other. And like, I clearly don't, I'm like I'm shriveling away right now. I've got a frown on my face. <laughs> do you, do I yeah. seem like I want to answer that question? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Maybe from your experience, what I guess you got asked that question quite a bit, as you said earlier. When and like when does the question usually occur? In what kind of situations and and who, from your perspective, has asked you that question the most? So actually, the most I've been asked that question is usually at work, not at my current job. Because I work in an mm -hmm. office now, it's a different environment, and I have worked there for a few years now. But when I used to work, I used to work in um, hospitality, like in cafes and restaurants, and I would always get asked that question um, in that situation, which I think is also even more unfair because you're in a situation where you can't really say, No, I don't want to answer that question. You have to exactly. apply to that person. Yeah. yeah. I guess that comes back to there being some kind of like a bit of power play happening but um yeah and then I guess yeah always white people um always older white people so usually people um like middle-aged and older rarely mm -hmm. young people will ask that question if they do it's probably like another person of color being like oh like where are you from and that's fine but I have noticed that I haven't been asked that question really as much lately which I don't know if it's because people are, are bit more aware that it's not really the best thing to ask straight off the bat but yeah most of the time it's the first thing they ask or like they've ordered their coffee and they're just like waiting and they want to like ask you where you're from <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah and especially in a work environment like a lot of the storytellers they were like usually at a work environment we're getting asked that yeah. question and that must be so like scary because you need to be polite and whatnot mm -hmm. and then yeah you feel obliged to answer the question yeah what is the a common reaction when the question is not answered like to the satisfaction of the the person posing the question um oh i mean 
usually people just keep asking like mm-hmm. give an encounter like the, probably the last time i was asked at work this lady asked me and i was like oh you know i'm from here and then she was like no but like where are you from and then i was like oh like i don't i i'm sorry like i just i don't really want to answer that question like i said it really politely but it was just one of those times where i was like okay because usually you're just like oh like i'm i'm just from here or you kind of like shrug it off but i was in a mood to be like okay i'm i just really do not want to oblige you right now (laughs) yeah yeah. maybe it was a hard night or something but then she it, it caught me off guard because she was like you know Actually, I don't know. I don't understand, like, what this whole thing about where you're from being an offensive question is. Like, I just... It's just, like, curiosity. It's not offensive. Like, everyone's so, like, PC these days. And, like, I just am sick of people, you know, getting offended by small things. Like, it's not a big deal. And she went on this, like, little, like, you know, little rant at me. I I guess, like, I worked in a bar, so maybe she'd been drinking a bit and felt like felt more comfortable to say that but I just mm-hmm. yeah I don't think I said anything after that but it was interesting to see that even though she'd picked up on the fact that it's you know it's a topic of contention yeah she obviously noticed that right yeah it's like okay cool you've had a conversation with someone or maybe you've asked someone this before and you haven't gotten the response you expected but you're still asking me and you're actually demanding that I you know change my opinion <laughs> about yeah. it like <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. It's weird. It's it's all very weird, but it usually comes down to like quite a stock standard response and an encounter. So yeah, yeah. And what would you say to a person who still like feels very very pressed and very uncomfortable with the question, but doesn't know how to turn it down or how to say maybe I don't have to answer that? They kind of feel like okay, it's. I still have to answer that question. What would you say to that person for advice? Um, hmm, that's a tough one. I guess it's hard because mm. it depends on um, their circumstances. Sometimes they might want to just oblige that person because they want to be safe or they don't want to confront someone. But yeah, I guess you can say things like, I'm from here, or maybe you can say, what makes you think what made you think to ask me that or something like that and take the conversation in a direction where it actually prompts the person to um think about why they're asking that question um so yeah yeah, it's like not stopping the conversation but saying oh you know that's funny you asked that why why are you curious and then obviously the person's not going to be like oh because you're brown yeah (laughs) you know it might make them hopefully it would make them be like oh okay oh true like i don't know or something like that but I feel like actually one piece of advice I just I would say is you don't have to answer it unless you're in a situation where you want to protect yourself or you feel unsafe or someone's being um, like aggressive or or something towards you you just don't have to answer it just walk away just say nothing change the subject or say hey that question makes me feel uncomfortable I'd rather not answer it right now being more being direct is the best thing calling people out is the best thing because they need to hear it. So I guess, yeah, that would be my advice if you feel comfortable doing that. And now we can come to your new project, the new exhibition series under the name of Where Are You From? And it's going to be about hair. Can you just talk a little bit about it and what you plan, like how you plan to organize everything around it? Yeah, of course. So um, 
Yeah, it's called Hair by Where Are You From? And it looks at the experience of having um, textured, curly or coily hair. So mostly um, uh, women with Afro-textured hair, but also women of colour of different ethnic backgrounds um, who have different types of curls. So all the spectrum of curls. It's, again, like where are you from? It's a very personal um, concept. I myself have curly hair and I've always struggled to accept and love my hair i've gone through um so many different hairstyles like from when i was really young i used to get i used to shave it all off or my parents would shave it all off and then i had braids and then um when i you know became a teenager relaxes like chemical straightening was a thing and i would do that with my dad and then my hair fell out and i decided that that was not good and but then I moved from chemically straightening to straightening with heat. And so it's just basically born from the same kind of premise as where you're from. Like I always struggled with that because nobody had hair like mine. It really stuffed up my sense of self and I really did not love myself and I couldn't accept it. And it took me so long to come around to it. And so when I first started where you're from, I was like, you know, I, there's like so many topics that intersect with cultural identity that would be really good to explore especially hair because I feel like um by putting it out into the world through the project it would maybe alleviate all of the sh a lot of the shame that I had uh, internalized about my hair and you know my journey with my hair Sabina applied for a grant from the city of Melbourne. They put out grants when Corona started for artists and freelancers. And Sabina applied with her project here by Where Are You From? And she actually got the grant. And now it is getting this recognition from the art sector. And she's getting help by realizing all of these amazing ideas. And in my opinion, that's just the right thing to do. I'm so happy that happened. So that was mm -hmm. also a huge milestone because it was just like a personal project and now I'm getting, you know, funding from the government. Like, what? Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that was so, that was really special. And then, so then we decided the, um, the proposal we put in for that was an online format and we'd taken inspiration from, you know, a few things we'd seen out there um, and... I also follow this magazine um, by Twigs. It's like an online magazine where she does like Instagram gallery sliders. I love that format. Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah, I, I just kind of reimagined re it into like what a gallery would look like in, in, in Instagram. So um, we're going to release the series in five parts and it will be like the show will be open um, for a week and then every day at 5pm we'll release a gallery which will have five or six of the portraits with um, parts of the stories and then we also have videos as well which will be circulating on stories um, and then we also made a beautiful zine which I'm like the girls that I work with play on play studio I need to shout them out because they're just like have done an amazing job. We were, we were all really excited to work on the brief because the mood boards we had and the ideas we had were like, we, we were both, we were all really excited about 
you know, the vision that we had. And then they, they just, I think they really like, they blew me away. They've blown me away with everything. And wow. yeah, so that's basically what, what's going to happen. And it's coming out on the 29th of June. I'm and so excited. <laughs> so amazing. Like the, that first tile that I shared that they did, so many people responded to it. I was like, what the hell? Like usually um, I've got like a few followers on the Instagram account, but mm-hmm. so many people shared it. It like just went, I, I didn't think, honestly, I didn't think anyone would care about this because it's, because it's, um, you know, it's only, it's all girls and like, it's about hair. Like it's quite specific, but then yeah, the response has been incredible. So I'm really excited to see, um, what happens when we put it out there. But yeah, I'm just really proud of the girls in involved. And also, um, I put, uh, my photo and my, my own essay in the book as well. It's the first time I've ever been photographed with my natural hair, um, so oh, that's wow. a nice little thing, you know, to kind of let go of, um, for me or like set free through this project. Yeah. 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 Do you think there is this sense of, um, setting yourself free when you're sharing it with the world? Is that something that, that helps you for like you personally? Yeah, absolutely. I think, mm-hmm. I think a lot of, um, a lot of what we experience as, um, you know, black people and people of color is is internalized and there's a lot of shame around it like we're meant to kind of like get on with it and get over it and just like cope and manage and a lot of the time it's just like this inner dialogue especially with um to do with my hair like I just feel like it's such a um you're not meant to be you're not meant to complain about oh, I don't feel, I don't fit in. Like, I don't feel beautiful. Like people don't, most people don't understand what that means. Like, unless you Mm -hmm. have like textured hair or Afro hair, you don't understand what that experience is. Like literally you can't go to the hairdressers if you have textured hair without finding out if there's someone who specializes in that. Like hairdressers don't learn how to do our hair. That's such a problem. It's such a problem. We're in like grown ass 2020 and you know, people of color can't go to the hairdress, can't just walk into any old hairdresser. Like there are obviously like um, salons run by women of color who specialize in our hair, which do, they do fabulous jobs. Like we have so many amazing talented um, hairdressers, but like that's their mm-hmm. niche. And, you know, you couldn't just go to hairdressing school and think, you know, I'm going to learn everything about hair, which is what you should do. If you're a hair professional, you should be able to do all types of hair. That's like every other profession you learn the whole kind of spectrum of like the whole scope of work includes everything. But yeah, yeah, I just, I find that like so troubling to like wrap my head around. I still can't wrap my head around it. And um, I also spent a lot of time, you know, at the hairdresser doing my own hair and like straightening my hair, like to cut my hair, I would always have my hair straightened. I would straighten it myself before I went into the salon that would straighten it again. Um, you know, things like that where you're paying for a service and you're doing your own hair. It's it's a really... That's, that's crazy. It's crazy. And if you don't oh have God. textured hair, you would never know and you wouldn't understand mm-hmm. the kind of stigma that that would, kind, that would, like, foster in you. Because, yeah, if your hair is, like 
if hairdressers don't know how to do your hair, then what the hell does anyone else, what is anyone else going to think about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I just think, I think it will be a really important conversation to broach. And already I've had a lot of people um, reach out to me and be like, oh my God, yeah, my my hairdresser always straightens my hair when, when they straighten it. It's so weird when I go to an actual curly hair like specialist and they don't straighten my hair. Or um, people... Um, with straight hair messaging Mm -hmm. and being like, whoa, that is crazy. I've never even thought about it. Like, I just, like, would never have known because, like, how would you know if you don't have curly hair? Yeah. And also what you said that you feel like so many times you just, you know, you should just manage and cope and not, you know, point out anything that you're struggling with. And then there was one story that I read on your Instagram where a girl also said that, people you know say that she's so lucky with her hair and she's so lucky that she looks the way she looks but then and on the other hand they don't really care about the work um or like the work that goes in and the the cultural you know roots that are behind of it totally Um, do you have like any experience with that or any anything you want to share regarding that Well, definitely, like, I mean, the cultural significance of African hair and African hairstyles is huge. It's like, yeah, it's a historical um, thing that has many different, like, uh, there's many different intersections and many different experiences and cultures that, like, you know, hair is, like, not something to be appropriated by white people at all. And yet it happens all the time. And it's also minimized in, in a way that is just kind of like not good enough. Like lots of people are like, Oh, it's just hair. But like, okay, cool. When we wear that stuff, like when I go to school in braids, like I would get sent home or I would get a detention. Whereas like you wear braids and it's cute French braid. It's like when you do it, it's cute. When people of color do it, it's ghetto. It's they're criminal. Yeah. Ooh, yuck. Like what's that hairstyle? It's a bit much. It's too loud. You know, that that's the kind of, that's the other side of the fence (laughs) so that's why it's important to be aware of I think yeah when people comment on your hair like this is probably my least favorite experience is people commenting on my hair because often people say things like yeah oh my god you're so lucky to have beautiful curly hair I wish my hair would do what your hair does my hair is so boring or you have such a beautiful face have you ever thought about shaving your head things like that it's like you're taking ownership over my hair, one. You're telling me what to do with my hair. Like, that's yeah. already a problem. Like, it's my hair. Don't tell me what to do with my hair. There's, like, some weird kind of, like, like knee-jerk reaction. It's like when somebody says, like, I don't know what a good example is. It's like pointing out something that makes you uncomfortable before you think that, like, so the, to, like, make that person feel uncomfortable or something. Mm-hmm. It's posed as a compliment, but actually... If it came down to it, you probably wouldn't want to have an afro. <laughs> like, that's generally yeah. not what you're saying. Not saying that I don't love my hair, not saying that I don't love afros, but that person saying that to me doesn't mean that they would actually want an afro. Like, they actually are, they, they probably have this, like, they're probably feeling this urge to be like, oh, your hair's so beautiful because actually I think it's not and I think it's a bit weird and like I don't know you know like I I don't know it's really I'm not really explaining that very well but their remarks actually I find that so uncomfortable and just also it just takes away a person's autonomy when you tell them like oh you should do this with your hair or like oh it's so beautiful like why don't you just leave your hair natural that's that's my other like least favorite question like why don't you just let your hair out like why don't you just wear your afro like just wear it out like just wear your hair natural it's fine I'm like 
I that's for me to like do and also you don't understand the political and social connotations of wearing an afro like people can't just wear afros to work and not think twice about what their boss is going to say or not think twice about how they're going to come across in a professional setting and so I think that's that's again going back to like having not been racialized themselves or having not had the experience of curly hair or having afro textured hair themselves they don't understand actually that there's many levels of um of things to think about before you know that it comes with a lot of meaning having this looking a certain way and having hair like that it's like not as simple as just wearing it out because at the end of the day it's like weighing up what is worth it like do i want to go to work and be perceived in a certain way or do I want to not be harassed? I do I have not. I do I want to not have people touch my hair today? Even things like that. Like, yeah. For us, it's like a matter of survival and how to be taken seriously in a predominantly white landscape. And for other people, it's just a cool hairstyle. Like, I just want to wear braids because, like, I saw Kylie Jenner wearing them and they're really cool. Like, I just want to wear them. Like, it's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly I'm very passionate about the subject. <laughs> and that's why I love it so much that you're making it, you know, this, you know, a separate topic because it's a very, I guess, it's like one element of it, but it expands to so many elements of the whole experience, I guess. And there was also this one story that I read, this question or like this entitlement to talk about hair, you know, or saying, yeah, why don't you just do that? And stuff like that, is a very obvious form of white supremacy, right? Also, like, the question, where are you from, and, and just masking it as curiosity. Um, I think it. I think it's important to, to say that, you know, that it, it is that. Yeah, it's, it's the whole thing of, like, microaggressions being not micro at all. Like, they're all macroaggressions. They all feed into and perpetuate white supremacy and superiority between you know, white people and people of other races. It, like, the very act of intervening and, you know, taking someone away from their life or their conversation or them going from A to B so that you can fulfil this question for yourself. That very act shows that you don't think of them, you're not respecting their time or their space or their autonomy. I think yeah, that's a really, yeah, really good point to make is that there's so much about yeah that is like rooted in a sense of like white supremacy 100 percent. yeah yeah and now i want to come to one of the last questions the latest storyteller that said that maybe we should also you know not learn to abolish certain questions but also learn how to ask better questions are there any questions that you would personally like to get asked not in this like like not in a racial framework just as you know, that you think, okay, people should ask me that more. Hmm, that's really interesting. I mean, I would love to talk about, um, I'd love to talk about creative things and, you know, what I'm working on creatively and what other people are working on creatively. I think that informs so much of what I do. And um, I just feel like creative expression is so important for understanding our differences and understanding different walks of life and that's what brings people together like art reflects life and 
creativity is an expression of life. And I think that talking about that would be a much better way, even even to do with cultural identity. If someone was like, oh, hey, like I saw this thing the other day that was like this artwork about being, you know, I don't know, mixed race or whatever. And I just thought it would be really cool to talk to you about it because I know, you, you know, you do a lot of work like yeah. that as well. Like, what do you think about this? Like, I thought it was really beautiful the way they this. I didn't know about this. And kind of like asking questions that are more about that person's interests and like stuff that they've already put out into the world and that they're clearly passionate about and not necessarily to do with like, yeah, their identity in a way that's tokenistic. And yeah, because you can talk about culture and you can talk about um yeah cultural background is a beautiful conversation to have i would love to talk about that i mean even asking that question as what's your cultural background instead of it's not the best response i feel like if a person wants to tell you where they're from they'll tell you so you don't you shouldn't have to ask that question but talking about cultural stuff is great i think that we all have um so many different experiences and practices that like yeah sharing things that we've discovered about other things and and or um, that speak to our own experience is a good way. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. things you've read, art you've seen. I think it's all, it's good to share different parts of our experience. But yeah, I don't know that I answered that question that, that well. <laughs> no, you did, you did, you did. And I love, you know, I love that you said that, you know, talking about culture is actually beautiful, but it's not your, like, it's not a white person's way to initiate that. Yeah. Maybe. If I understood that, you know. Yeah, totally. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have Do you have anything that um, you still want to share, or maybe something regarding the um, exhibition? Please follow the project, and that because that's the way you'll only be able to see it is if you follow yeah. where are you from. It's where are you from underscore underscore, and my Instagram is art art underscore worker spelled W O R K R. Um, so you'll be able to see them see that on either channels but yeah i just want to hear your thoughts like if you if the project speaks to you please email me and send me your story or tell me about your hair and how you feel about it or if you're learning something and you just it's you know we've just blown your mind or something yeah i love hearing from people and how they react to it and and or or don't you know either way i just want to hear from you i think it's important to to hear that Um, people are engaging with the project and getting something out of it or not so yeah thank you you so so much for for talking to me taking the time i can't wait for this exhibition i'm so excited and i'm gonna share with everybody i know Thank you so much for making it until the end of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this one. Or maybe this resonated with you as a black person or person of color. This question, where are you from in this context? is seemingly very simple and innocuous, but is a great source of disruption and disorientation and deprives people of their sense of belonging. Now, through this project by Sabina, we are now able to take this question and it serves as a means of coming together and sharing resources 
and educating each other and learning to understand and fully embrace each other's experiences. And I'm so grateful for that. And I think honestly, where are you from is one of the most beautiful examples for how art can be incredibly activist, how photographs, how stories, how writing, how people can be so powerful and can really, really make a difference. I can't wait for this exhibition. Head over to the Instagram of where are you from underscore underscore to find all these beautiful stories, beautiful art and photographs. You can find me at Tumult Podcast on Instagram as well. And make sure that you follow Tumult on wherever you are listening to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get it. Make sure you follow. Maybe you even leave a rating i would appreciate that so much and yeah go tell a friend about it if you really enjoyed this one thank you so much and i'll see you in the next one